Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Hey, if you're a leader looking to create a life worth living in your faith, family, and career, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of your rut and create a life that is beyond it. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in this episode, we're going to be joined by Wendy Jones. She is the mother of four, a writer, and the founder of Be Better Media. She's passionate about helping you as a leader and as a parent create a legacy of optimism where you're pouring into your children, you're pouring into the people you work with, and you're just creating that better life ahead of everybody. That's what we're going to be talking about. What are those lessons learned around avoiding burnout, getting past burnout, uh, just creating a future that is hope-filled and you know taking practical steps to get there. So it's not just enough to be like Pollyanna and talk about it. We're going to talk about how to actually make it happen. So grab a notebook and a pen, sit back, relax, because here we go. All right. Hey, Wendy, thanks for calling in. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much. This is a great way to spend a Saturday morning. So right. thanks for having me. That's right. You're, you're a couple hours behind me. For me, it's like Saturday afternoon and I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready for a nap. The coffee has worn off. <laughs> I'm getting old. Uh, yep, too. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> my cat is outside meowing at me, wanting me to come out and play with her. Actually, she wants to be in here and tear the place up, but, uh, that's not happening again. So <laughs> yeah, well, we could, we could, um, we could be twins on that. If right? I let mine in the front door, she'd be right in front of this. Screen. Oh man, yeah. So, in addition to you've got four kids, I know I've got two, and I, I heard somewhere that you said you've got cats and dogs. I do. I've technically got two dogs half time and two cats full time and one turtle. And a turtle. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Now, now the big question is, you know, people always ask which child is your favorite child, and um, and I tell them I can't answer that, but I will tell you my favorite cat is Bailey. It's always by my side. She makes sure that I get work done during the week. Uh, separation anxiety, like you wouldn't believe. So, with that said, which of the pets is your favorite? Oh, I've got this beautiful tomcat that I joke is the man of the house. So right. <laughs> he, he's pretty awesome. Oh Just man, stable, always there, very. Just wise, and I love having him around. <laughs> He's no drama whatsoever. Right? No drama. Yeah. <laughs> now, is he an indoor cat or outdoor? Both. Both. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. like, leaves during the day and then comes back yeah. at night and says, "Hey, let me." Yeah, in. I make sure they're in at night because there are coyotes in my neighborhood. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, but they're pretty good. They're like dog cats. They come when you call them. So, <laughs> oh wow, man. Yeah, <laughs> ours are completely indoors, uh, mostly because we know that the bird population will be decimated if we let two of the cats out so yep <laughs> for the environment guys we're doing it yeah oh man now we came across each other's uh paths on a platform called podmatch and i guess by now in 2023 i've i've said in almost every episode what podmatch is so i'll just leave it at that uh, you know so everybody else look it up podmatch.com uh, so i i found wendy as a podcast host but then as i was pitching her i realized wait she's perfect as a guest on this show so i don't care if she says yes or no to me to be on her show i'd love to have her on here so thank you for saying yes to to being on this show wendy oh absolutely thank you for asking me and oh. um yeah let's we can do it we can do a switch back one of nice, these days nice yeah for and sure I'll, I'll follow your lead on that uh um, so 
in looking at what you're like passionate about speaking about, and you know, one of the th- the topics that really stood out to me was this idea of having self awareness as. Uh, and before we get into there, I mean a little bit more about you. I mean, you're you're a certified yoga teacher. Uh, athletics is a big part of your like your mantra and your lifestyle, uh, and and the family is a big important thing for, as well. Parenting specifically. Um, so I guess a little bit more like what was your athletic background? I'm just curious. So I was um, I was a timid kid, and my parents were not athletes, but I always loved sports. And my mom tells me I signed myself up for soccer back in the day, but when you didn't have, you know, you could go with your neighbor and say, hey, I want to be on the team. And I came home and said, I signed up for the soccer team. So (laughs) I always wanted to be an athlete, but I didn't really live in that world. I kind of pushed myself into that world. But I, I joke, I ended up playing volleyball and swimming being my two favorite sports, both non-contact. Um, I can I have a soft spot for the middle blockers. I call them the gentle giants because that you know sports just taught me a lot and brought me out of my shell. But I've never um I was a red shirt walk on at Cal Poly that sprained her ankle and got cut and through that process really realized how much sports meant to me, how much I had learned through it, how much fitness and you know just feeling good was just became really important to me through learning how to compete. And it added a lot to my life, even though I've never competed at the levels that my kids have competed at. Um, but I never burnt out either. So I have a really, I'm thankful for the perspective I have on sports because it's not everything, but I still love to swim and play volleyball at 48. So, you know, I think that's, there's a lot of challenges facing young athletes today. And I like I like the lens I have on it because I feel like I have something to add to a world that's increasingly competitive and kids are burning out and, you know, focusing on one sport. And there's just so many issues that I'm thankful for my background because I think I can bring something to the table there. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. Uh, Baseball and football were my big two. Uh, Marching band, if we can count marching band. Uh, I love music. For oh, sure. Man. Yeah, I was in a heavy yeah. metal. I played tuba. So <laughs> I love it. That is the third time I've squeezed in that dad joke into this show, guys. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, baseball, I got as far as my freshman year in college. I was a walk on as well. Uh, red shirt my first year. I, I had to make up a jersey because they put me in like when we did those kids camps. They would yeah. put me at the autograph table so the actual players can actually practice and play. Uh, and I'm like, I don't have a jersey number, guys. And they're like, these kids don't have any idea who you are. You got the hat on, you got the t-shirt. They think you're a pro ball player. I'm like, what do I put for a number? Like make one up. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I was like number 99 inspired <laughs> by um, Rick Vaughn from major league. Um, wild thing. Cause I mean, technically that is how I threw, even though I wasn't a pitcher, but yeah, the following <laughs> year they realized I, would, I didn't belong there and they cut me from the team. And I was like, Oh, that's sad. <laughs> but uh, you learn a lot about resilience and pushing yourself beyond a limit. I think when you play sports. Yeah. Um, and of course, if you, if you don't have a healthy balance, you push yourself to the point of burnout or breaking, which isn't a good thing or a healthy thing either. So that boundary is, is big. It was a big eye opener when we got our son to play baseball. Um, and he was way better at it than I was. So it kind of broke my heart to see like where baseball had come today and in youth sports, literally yeah. wasn't just fun anymore. It was like very competitive. You would think these kids had shoe contracts the way that the parents get competitive and it just wasn't fun. And for my son, it wasn't fun either. And so finally like sophomore year when he wanted to give it up, actually, no, he finally got cut, but I was like, 
are you sad? He goes, well, I'm sad I got cut, but I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think you really liked the game anymore, but <laughs> I guess you had to get there on your own. He, he did. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot a lot to be learned from all of those experiences. And I, I kind of feel like we get, like the athlete gets where the athlete is meant to get because it's really what we're putting into it. And then, and of course, the coaching and the environments that we're put in, you know, you're going to be in some good ones. You're going to be in some bad ones. And, but we, at the, in the end, your love for the sport will raise you to your highest level of, of, of yes. play. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So not a lot of parents can do about it besides be encouraging, drive your kids to practice, feed them good food, tell them how much you love to play. You know, you love to watch them play and let them, let them show you who they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And don't make it their identity either. I, I yeah. 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 I love that. Uh, now, one of the things you love talking about, and this is a quote you have on your website, and that is uh, that you believe that self-awareness is the greatest gift we can give to the next generation. Can you unpack that for us? Like, what do yeah. we mean by self-awareness and why is that a gift to the next generation? Well, you know, I think looking in the mirror as I, excuse me, my take a sip of water. You know, looking in the mirror is one of the most rewarding and the hardest things we can do. And as I've gotten older and raising my own kids, I realize that when we understand our patterns, how we got where we got, the things that we're great at, the things that the areas where we can lead from our strengths, and but also looking at some of the hard things. And, you know, as we go through life, we uncover things that have happened in our family in the past, reasons that we have become the people we've become, whether we're people pleasers or rebels or you know, why are we those things? And if we're able to look at that, we can also impart those lessons to our kids because we have a sense of security that we know who we are. And you can parent so much better when you understand, you not just parent, but really connect with your kids so much better when you understand who you are. And I mean, I think it's life's greatest journey to understand ourselves because, and not from a point of like, um, self-indulgence or like it's all about me but the better we know ourselves the better we're able to connect with other people yeah and creates better families better communities so cool now as you always on a quest <laughs> right we're always on a quest to do that yeah yeah because we're always growing right if we're not growing we're dying yep and, and so as you would gain more self-awareness of yourself did you find yourself sharing your insights with your kids to like being that vulnerable with them yes and that was something i definitely changed. Um, you know, everybody's got catalysts in life that really kind of shift your foundation. Mine was a divorce I went through about six years ago. And when I did, I just kind of woke up one day and said, gosh, I didn't think I was going to be here. What? Why am I here? It just was something immediately that I knew I had to find out. And that's kind of what started me doing that deep dive. I was writing a lot. Um, I started my blog, The Optimist Journal, that just kind of reflects on I didn't really, at the time, I, I, I didn't care how far and wide it spread. It was just, at least my kids will have something to look back on and know what their mom was thinking. Because I had kind of wished that I had something like that in my family. Like, wow, I wish someone had written a journal about what was going on in, in the past. Because at some point, I realized there's a generational story in fam- that, that runs through all of our families, right? That's like why these patterns are the way they are. And so... um I figured if I didn't have one, I could at least start one and then my kids would have one. So, um, and that, that's where it started. I mean, it started with writing and then it's continued into my podcast. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Folks will ask me why I started a podcast and that, that is essentially why. Um, and when I started it, my kids were kids, but I knew yeah. that the things I want to share with them, you know, they may not care to listen to until after I'm gone. And, or maybe their grandkids are going to ask, or my grandkids will ask, or great grandkids. And yeah, no. I wanted them to be able to say from my own words, yeah, this is where great grandpa came from, or this is what grandpa was talking about. And, and hear it, and then hear it like on a deeper level for themselves because they were further along in life. And people are like, man, that's dark. That's morbid. I'm like, well, I was in the army. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, everything's all about when I die, can my soldiers carry on? <laughs> yeah. So I, I just sort of look at the world, the whole, with that lens on, like if I get fired, can my team still do their job? Um, if I died today, will my wife have what she needs to move on and and carry on with everything that needs to happen in the home? And you know, my kids, will they be okay? You know, could they take care of themselves? And uh, which I hope so, because now they're adults. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like I don't want you guys to have to move in. You're always welcome to come in, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'd love for you to be as self supporting as possible. And they're like, Dad, I'm like, no, seriously. I'd you can I, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in you. Totally. <laughs> uh, I actually did that to uh, my son when he was buying his first car. He wanted me to co-sign. I'm like, I- I'm sorry, son, I don't co-sign. And he was so mad. Um, my wife was mad. I'm like, we went to the same Dave Ramsey class. Like, how are you yeah. mad at me? <laughs> you were in there next to me when we talked about co-signing and not doing it. And uh, so we we talked that through. And she said, I, I support your dad in this. And sure enough. He walked away from the lot. He was mad at me that night. But then the next day, he found another car that he liked even better. The financer guy took good care of him. The payment was where he wanted it. The The interest rate was a reasonable one. And there was no pressure. And he bought that car. Uh, and, and now, you know, and then somebody hit it. So he got that paid off. And then he bought a new car. So he bought two cars on his own. No co And I'm like, that's my boy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And forcing it, right? Like yeah. not, yeah, having patience and not forcing something that you think you have to have right now. And then the next best, you know, it's a little bit better if you just yes. can be paid. And then from the day. Yeah. And, you know, from a self awareness perspective, like for me, it was, you know, because I wanted to say, yes, that's my boy. He's my firstborn. I want him to like me. But then it's like, is that what's best for him? And and so I had to say no. But then my wife, like, she wanted to say yes, and she was upset I said no. And so she had to examine herself as well. Like, why is it she wants to say yes? And what's at stake if we do say yes? What's at stake, you know, not just for our son's growth, but our own, like, well-being? Like, what if our son lost his job? We'd have to pay for that car. Right. It's like, I don't yeah. want to take that on. That I don't even yeah. like the car he's buying. <laughs> and she's like, you would not repo it from him. I'm like, I would if I had to teach a lesson. And she's like, yeah. you're so mean. And like, I'm, I'm exaggerating a lot. <laughs> yeah. was... Well, I mean, you're, you're zeroing in on that. There's usually the long-term gain, you know, that it's a short-term pain for long-term gain, right? Yes. I mean, it, and parenting is so often that concept. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, now, have your kids shared with you any feedback? Because now they're older. You got one that's about to graduate college. Uh, you got another, what, two in college. And then you got the high school. Two in college, two in high school. Oh, um, high school. That's right. Two in high school right now. One, she'll be graduating. One's a senior. She'll be graduating in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, have any of them given, like, shared any of their insights or aha moments from you being vulnerable and sharing that self-awareness journey with them? I mean, I think it's more like an evolution of just the way our house feels and the way our dinner table feels and them just knowing that how to count on me and, you know, what consistency looks like. Um, and I've always been real with them. I've always been present with them, but I'm now, and obviously as they get older, you can be far more open about 
you know, life situations. And I'm very big on letting kids be kids and, you know, keeping it on their level because they really just need consistency and safety and love. Um, But as they get older, I've realized, you know, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. But it's if you reframe those problems as, you know, opportunities to grow, that's the real gold of parenting. And that's where I've noticed with my kids as they've gone through some challenging things, you know, post-divorce, when you're that call, that first call, when they're in a challenging moment, that's when you know what you're doing is paying off. Yeah. The, the it, fact that they're calling you in the challenging moment. Um, yeah. I think we've had some moments like that where like, oh, wow, they came to us. In the moment, we're like, what? I can't believe they did this. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, wait. Well, and it does. It takes that moment where you're like, okay, take a deep breath and realize like, this is why we're here and life's not perfect. And so where, how do we, you know, how do we stick together and support each other? And how do I support them to grow from this experience? And not always easy. That's for oh, sure. No, it is not. Uh, I, I felt that was something we always had to remind ourselves was that the, the goal that we had as parents was that our kids would come to us to help them navigate a problem. Didn't mean that we would solve it for them, but they would at least come to us for guidance, wisdom, insights, a step-by-step guide, whatever it is that they would feel comfortable to come to us. And we knew that meant that the very first challenge they come to us with, we got to not react in a way that sounds punitive or feels punitive. So like, I, I know a lot of my friends who, if their child was getting cyberbullied, the answer was to ground them. What? They, they're getting attacked and you respond by attacking them some more? Like, how are they wrong for getting bullied? <laughs> like, you gave right. them the phone, you gave them the email accounts, and and now you're punishing them for that. And and on the flip side, we when our kids encountered that kind of thing, we're like, okay, um, what do you feel about that? What's the level of friendship here? What what's really going to stick? You know, what matters ten years from now? Like, to have the ability to navigate and ask them these questions and kind of separate the freak out moment from the reality and. and talk them down and at the same time tell them no we're kind of mad this is happening to you too but not because you got into it but because somebody's doing that to our babies who are these kids who are their parents we're not going to do anything to them but <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, well it's a scary world they're living in now yeah. and as parents it's scary for us too because there's so much i mean we never have the control we wish we had right to keep our kids safe but it's even it's a whole nother level now yes and i've certainly dealt with some of that with my kids and the thing that i've realized the most is we're all looking for friends and connection. And that's the way they're connecting on such a large scale these days. So if they do get themselves into trouble or somebody is bullying them, like how do we teach them without isolating them? Because the second you take that phone away, you're like, you're never going to be on that app again. Well, you just further isolated them. And if you know, you know, the mental health crisis in the teenage community right now is as large or larger than what we're experiencing as adults. And isolation is not where you want to be. Yeah. I remember, I think it was my daughter's sophomore year. It was five students in one school year. This is pre-COVID had committed suicide. Oh so, my goodness. And that, that it, was pre-COVID. That was before isolation. Yeah. In the, um, and, you know, I know from my work, I, I used to do some work for a battered women's shelter slash rape crisis center. And, and one of the big themes that would come up, you know, we're talking, you know, I, I don't know where the idea of human trafficking popped into my head, but you know, one of the common denominators that stood out for me was that the 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 girls who are targeted and even the boys who are targeted for human trafficking are the ones that 
don't really have a connection with their parents. They don't have that strong bond of communication. And, and also, they don't have that strong bond of communication with their friends either. They're, they're kind of, like you said, isolated. And no. I remember learning that at a conference that was held by the, uh, the National Council for uh, Missing and Exploited Children, so NICMEC. And that, that's two days, you know, like the matrix, the red pill or the blue pill. That was two days that made me want to take the blue pill and just go back into ignorance. I was just like, oh, my gosh. I, I came home and I was like, Emma, you're going to online college. Jacob, yeah. don't be like the guys that I just learned about. And they're like, what? My kids were like 14 and 16 at the time. Yeah. They're just like, what is going on? Uh, maybe they were younger. But um, it just reinforced for us that we had to keep that that communication open. No matter how much we wanted to react to it, uh, we had to be aware of our own feelings, our own gut reactions, and how we were showing up to those conversations with our kids. And it was because there was so much at stake. And years later, like as my daughter was in her junior and senior year, um, her friends from dance would refer to my wife as Mama Dugan. And, you know, by then I'm commuting back and forth from Dallas to Corpus Christi. So six and a half, seven hour drive. Um, it created like this perfect environment where like my daughter's friends would actually come to our house and confide in my wife because they needed some motherly guidance. They wanted some adult perspective and there was a safe environment. Now, now my wife never gave them any advice because we didn't want to cross that line, but it was just a safe space where they could navigate and talk things out. And then my mom, not my mom, my wife, Emma's mom <laughs> would point out the things that were kind of dangerous. Like, well, you know, what do you think could happen if you go that route? Well, this is actually the legal thing that could happen. And, um, you know, they, they still had their struggles, but it was always interesting. Like people would kind of judge us for anything our kids did. And we can never tell them what their kids are going through right now because of that confidence that we are given. And well, that, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm glad you're talking about the, like the importance of the self-awareness to, to know what you've gone through, why you've done the things you've done and, and letting that serve as a gift to the next generation. I mean, that created such a safe environment for our own kids that their yeah. friends came to us. And I'm like, yeah, I was just going to uh, say like my hats off to you for that, creating that safe space, because that's, you know, that's our job as the next generation to not be heavy handed, but, you know, really help guide them without shame because the human experience is not perfect. And every time I write about perfectionism or I have these conversations where I see how much perfectionism comes through in the struggles that we go through, like, it's not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. And kids shouldn't think they have to be perfect. They just need a safe space to learn. And it's our job to guide them. Yeah. I remember when our both of our kids at some point in their lives in the, in the past, I mean, they're young, 21 and 20. But <laughs> this just happened in the last two years. Uh, when each of our kids came to us and said they were not going back to school, uh, they would ask how we felt about that. And of course, my wife, she's fully supportive. Like if college isn't your thing, it's not your thing. You can always go back. It's not like this is your only chance to go to school. And look at your dad. You know, he barely got out as an undergrad 4.0 as a grad student in, in his 30s. Yeah. So maybe isn't that's that your interesting. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I barely got out. I mean, I'm not a doctor for a reason. <laughs> yeah. not- I didn't want to be. Um and, and our kids, when they came forward and said they weren't going back to school, um, my wife was very supportive. And then they turned to me and asked how I felt. And I was like, you know, the Asian part of me is disappointed in you. And they're like, Dad. I'm like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because uh, I'm half Asian. So they're like stereotypes. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm like, seriously, like, I would love to have seen you at your college graduation. 
but then that's my dream. Your dream and your path is yours. And so if your path is to not go back to school, it saves me money. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a win-win. Uh, and, and so, and they're doing great. They're doing fine. And it's, it's their lot. lives. And I hope folks are listening in and like, oh, okay, cool, cool. It, it's not the yeah. end of the world for us. I'm like, it's not. Uh, That's a huge one as a parent. It really letting them show you who they are, you know, and, and, and being supportive of that. Um, and of course, you know, if you find them way off course, if they're hurting themselves or hurting other people, but when they're just being their authentic selves, I mean, as parents, that's the thing that we want, we should want the most, but it's not always as easy as it sounds. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and I think an eye-opener for me was uh, when I was, yeah, when I was graduating college, uh, one of my uncles had passed away. He was, it was an uncle who married in, so he was married to my Aunt Mary. Uh, so my uncle Eugene, and, you know, since he had nobody left after he passed away, it was us uncles and cousins coming to clean out the house because the county was going to come in and sell the house and I guess pay off taxes or something. And while we're doing this, uh, this young lady walked up close to my age, about 22, 23. And she looked sad and was just kind of staring in through the door. Um, and I remember hearing my grandpa ask her, you know, can we help you? And she said, oh, no, I just I came here for clothes. And my grandpa said, oh, so you're one of the one of his kids. Uncle Gene had kids. <laughs> like I'd known this guy since my, well, my whole life. I never knew he had kids from another marriage. Um, so it turns out he was so estranged with his previous family that they had nothing to do with him. And this this was the youngest of the three kids coming to say her goodbye to a man she never knew. And I thought, oh, I don't want that for my life. You know, and I'm like, grateful my dad is right here. Um, but I don't want to be that kind of dad either where I don't know who my kids are. And, and so it's like, what kind of person do I need to be to make sure that doesn't in my life? Oh, man. <laughs> That's Self- powerful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so many hard lessons. You, you know, you got to face like, all yeah. the broken stuff and it's not always fun, uh, which kind of brings me to, you know, another thing you talk about is this importance of generational healing. Uh, it, yeah. Like, what does that look like? And, you know, what do we have to gain from generational healing? Yeah. You know, that's um, the words that just came through to me as I went through my divorce. And I remember the first time I kind of talked about it with somebody and I feel like my friend looked at me like, what are you like, what are you talking about? And more and more over the last six years, I've started to hear about it. And maybe it's my focus and the circles I'm communities I'm joining these days. But, you know, the concept of generational healing is just that, you know, we're all human and we've created these family systems and we have we bring our strengths and weaknesses and our experiences into those. And if we're willing to look at them, like I said, we we can see, you know, where we're off course or how, why we become who we become. And then maybe the things that aren't working, we have the humility and the 
ability to be honest enough to say, hey, I want to change these things, like whether it's alcoholism or codependency or the things that run through families that you really do see a lot when there's a breakdown. And, um, you know, the more conversations I've had and people I've talked to, you see the same patterns that are really prevalent. And if we want to have strong families and strong communities, you know, we need to look at those things and see how we can show up better as ourselves and show up better for each other. So that's really the concept that I, it's it's empowering to say I'm working on myself because I know it's good for me and it's good for my kids. And, you know, the Native Americans say seven generations, that the choices we make carry on, you know, and I don't know, I think it's, I, I find it very motivating, but it's also kind of a scary concept too. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they're spot on with the number of generations it takes. And if you look at you know, an extreme institution like slavery in the United States. You know, yep. How long have we been battling racism and, you know, instilling equality at a legal level, at a social level? It's well over 100 years and we're still tinkering with that. And Yeah. Uh, well, huge. and really you're just getting at that concept of, of one, creating safety for people so that they can self-actualize, right? If Maslow's hierarchy, if we're not getting that, our if our root is not taken care of, we don't get to get to the top of the pyramid. And so you want that for all people, right? So there's there's that concept. And there's also just, you know, knowing that like our, 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 our root needs to be, it's just our root needs to be taken care of so that we can get where we want to go. Yes. Huge, huge. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the idea of generational healing isn't, I guess, foreign to me. I mean, it's said a lot in Christian circles. I mean, they, I guess they get a little bit um, more spiritual with it, like generational curses. Like, you're getting biblical on us. Uh, but going back to like when I worked at a battered women's shelter, one of my coworkers led the batterers intervention program. And I remember her sharing in one of our team meetings a very discouraging like aha moment she had in that morning's session with her group that she was listening to one of the participants share his story because they, they're required to say their name, what got them there. <laughs> and they, they can't just like gla- gloss over it. They have to say specifically who was the name, what was the name of the victim? Uh, what did they do to the victim? What was the conviction? You know, what was the aftermath of the attack and so on? Like they have to face it and say it out loud and you can see they want to minimize it. And it's like, no, you cannot minimize this. So this guy is kind of talking through some things and he's talking about how he's, such a better father to his son than his dad was to him. And she's looking at him like, what? Because in that same circle is this guy's dad. And she's like, oh, this is going to get interesting. <laughs> so she's like, do I do I hit the panic button? What's getting ready to go on here? And then she's like, but wait a second. His son is sitting right next to him. What does he mean he was a better father to his son right. than his dad was to him? Because all three of them are here in this circle today for three yeah. separate incidences with their partners. And she's like, generationally, grandpa taught it to dad, dad taught it to son. One of these guys has got to have an aha moment. And she had shared the reason why she did the work is stressful and frustrating as it could be is that her hope was that the grandson would be the guy that had his aha moment and say, oh, shoot, my yeah. son cannot become me and cannot become this. And that was her hope. She couldn't just flat out tell the guy that, but that was her hope. Like, I hope this guy gets it and sees that there are three generations of men in this circle at the same time. And I thought, yeah. wow, if they don't that's get it, I get how. it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is, that's, that's, you're seeing it live right yeah. there in that, that situation. And the truth is like, 
we're all doing the best we can with what we know. And then I always add on to that, it's, but it's our job to keep learning, right? So forgiveness is huge. Realizing that parents are just people is huge. And we're all going to, I don't think most people are, I believe most people are innately good. And then they, you know, things happen along the way. So learning how to regulate, learning how to deal with our emotions, learning about your nervous system, all of these things, maybe, you know, in past generations, we didn't talk about that stuff the way we do now. And I think it's a huge step forward that we're able to have those conversations now. Because it used to be a lot of whole, you know, post-World War II was just stuff it down, you know, keep a stiff upper lip and keep going. And, you know, there are moments when you have to do that. But generationally speaking, I don't think that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, they even portrayed it in the movies. It's such a profound principle here, folks. Uh, Oh, man. I I love that we had this conversation. Now, I know you're the founder of BeBetterMedia.tv. And from there, you're the host of what I meant to say, the podcast. Uh, You've authored a book based off of your blog, The Optimist Journal. uh, And that book is 365 Days of Optimism, which came from your posts from the blog. and then you got some cool news that your show got picked up by a network. So this puts you on. So tell us the name of that network. So it's called Binge um, Binge Networks. Um, it's been around since 2015. And um, it's really an interesting way people are consuming content these days because, you know, we have all these options. We've got all of the, you know, online platforms, whether you're a podcast or a vodcast, some people, I feel like it's two different audiences. I love to listen when I'm driving. So I'm more of a podcast person. But, you know, a lot of people are watching video versions on YouTube or wherever. And, um, but there are these platforms springing up where they're ad driven, but um, they're not part of the the subscription service or that you have to have a million followers to, you know, monetize your content. And obviously, you know, we either have to have great day jobs or, you know, I tell these stories and want to do my podcast because it's a passion project, but also, you know, everyone's got to make a living. And it's interesting to me that, that I think the world is craving better stories, which is where, um, you know, be better comes from because the world I see and the people I come into contact with are, they're different than what I'm seeing in the mainstream media. They're different than, I mean, I feel like the mainstream media is there to scare us these days. I don't keep my news on and I am an informed citizen, but I don't like what I'm hearing 24 seven, but I walk around the world and I see a lot of good stuff. So that's what I'm trying to highlight. That's the optimist in me. And I think it's not the perfection. It's the real stories of triumph and turning struggles into strength. So that's what we focus on. And I love doing it. And so, yeah, this Binge Networks, I hope, is going to allow us to keep telling these stories in bigger and bigger ways. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it takes your show, from what I understand, not just from YouTube and like Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you have it. Like this is going to put your show on smart TVs through like Roku. And uh, I don't have your web page up right now, but I mean, you've got kind of this like cluster of you know, apps that are on smart TVs where this will show up. And it's got like a distribution of like 60 million people, give or take. So this is huge. This is really good. So I'm glad to see that this message is getting out there. The world needs it. Uh, You know, just we've had enough bad news in the last three years. I think we're ready for some positivity, some optimism. Yeah. You know, what's the light at the the end of this tunnel here? Um, Because, yeah, 
Well, it's coming through in shows like like yours too. And I think that a lot of people are turning to the podcast world. And that's why I think podcasts have become so prolific is that there are so many good messages out there and so many genres and interest, you know, areas of interest. And so thank you for what you do, because I I do think people are gravitating towards this kind of content. Awesome. I'm going to Venmo you right now. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. Uh, Before we go, Wendy, uh, any final words of wisdom for those listening in right now? You know, I think my greatest hope is just that we can all continue to just learn how to be real with each other and not you know, not put up a facade, not be afraid to to really be who we are. And, you know, I feel like the younger that we can learn to do that, and I know there's a whole bunch of developmental stages that go with that, but the younger we can learn that it's just okay to be who you are, the better off we're all going to be. I love that. I love that. Wendy, it was great to have you on here. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I hope you got a lot out of this episode like I did. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 389. There you'll find links to Be Better Media, uh, Wendy's journal, The Optimist Journal, and so much more. Now, the best way you can pay this show back is to pay it forward. So hit the share button on however you're listening to this right now. Post it on social media. Share it with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. And just let them know, hey, I really got a lot out of this. I think you'd like it too. Check it out. Now, that's all I've got this week. I'm glad you joined me. And I look forward to joining you again on the next episode. But you know what? Until next time, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showvian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.